inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core. This is Rick Green filling in for Walker Wildman. Thanks so much for listening today, and thanks for being a listener of American Family Radio. I think this is the only way we save the country, folks. We need voices of truth, and then you need to share that truth with as many friends and family as you can. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Again, my name is Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator and America's Constitution coach. You can learn more at patriotacademy.com. That's our nonprofit organization that educates on the Constitution and trains up young leaders to be the remnant God is raising up to restore biblical values and constitutional principles in our country. In fact, I'm, I'm in Colorado today. We are hosting a Patriot Academy Leadership Congress at Colorado Christian University in conjunction with the Centennial Institute's Western Conservative Summit, and uh, just super excited to meet a lot of young people today and see them debating and, uh, and and discussing the major issues of the day and getting some good biblical worldview training and also some skills training. You know, how do you apply this stuff so you can get truth, but then how do you effectively go out and persuade and influence and and move the culture in the right direction? That's what we do at Patriot Academy, and just thrilled to uh, be uh, starting this first one in Colorado, and we'll be doing them all summer. So if you would like to attend one, American Family Association is a great partner of ours and great supporter of ours, and you've probably read about it or heard about it on some of the other programs as well, but we'll be in state capitals across the nation this summer in Idaho and Arizona and and Delaware and Florida and Texas, and uh, would love to have uh, you if you're 16 to 25, and if not, if you've got someone in your life that's 16 to 25, kind of high school, college, law student, kind of in that, honestly, I picked that age range when I started this thing 20, 22 years ago. Boy, I'm feeling old today. Uh, when I started it two decades ago, the idea was that's the age when you're really cementing your worldview. What do I really believe? Not just what does mom and dad believe, but what do I really believe? What's really sunk into my heart? Uh, and how do I then stand for that and fight for that? And why do I believe that? And so it's a, it's a really important age. It's a really important time in a young person's life. And we want them to become good citizens. So whether they're going to go into politics or business or media or, uh, you know, whatever their calling is, whatever the desire is that God's put on their heart, we just want them to be good biblical citizens. And we want to help them identify that desire, really discover their passion, and then plan out their purpose and execute a, a good plan. That's what we're about with our youth program at Patriot Academy. So if you're interested in that, check it out at Patriot Academy. Dot com. Love to hear from you today. 888-589-8840 is the phone number. 888-589-8840. I'm going to jump in uh, to, of course, the hottest topic, um, I guess, all over the nation right now. Still a, a week later, the main thing that people are talking about is the Uvalde massacre. And, and, and I'll just be blunt with you. I think people are focusing on all the wrong things. Most every headline or talk show or everything, it's all about what kind of gun did the kid have? Actually, he's an adult. He's 18. But what kind of gun did he have? How did he get the gun? What was his mental health? You know, why was the door left open? Why officers didn't go in sooner? Why no one reported his erratic, crazy behavior? I mean, that's the focus that everybody's on. I think those are important. They deserve some attention at some point. 
But I would argue that the main question is is mostly being ignored. I mean, I've heard a couple of people touch on it, but it's more of a general question, not just to the specific massacre in Uvalde. It's, it's actually the question I ask every time there's a mass murder event. And notice the language. It's not a mass shooting. It's a mass murder. A mass shooting, there's nothing illegal about that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's what you do when you go to the range. You shoot a lot. It's a mass amount of shooting. The act of shooting is not evil or good in and of itself. The act of murder is obviously evil and violates the Ten Commandments and violates God's law. And if we were teaching that in our schools, we would not end all murder, but we would have less of it. We would have less of this idea that all ideas are equal and anything you think is okay. And, and no matter how crazy or unusual or radical it is, that, that we should indulge that and massage that. Uh, it does matter what we teach our kids. So the, even the language is important. Not a mass shooting. It's a mass murder event. And the question I always ask as soon as there's another one of these mass murder events, and I'm going to actually argue to you today that we're going to see more of this until we make some pretty drastic changes in our philosophy about this and our approach to how to deal with these situations. But I always ask the same question. It's just two words. How long? How long? That's always the question. When there's a mass murder event, how long did the dirtbag have to kill innocent people before he or she was engaged by sufficient firepower to stop the threat? That's the fundamental question in every one of these situations. Because let me tell you something, folks, you're not going to stop murder. You're not going to stop evil. The laws of nature and nature's God have been set in stone since God created the world and since the fall of man. And this side of heaven, there is going to be evil in the world. And all of our planning and all of our precautions and all of those let pieces of legislation being passed and all the things they want to do to make it more difficult to get this or to get that. Folks, you take away the guns, we'll use knives. You take away knives, we'll use rocks. Uh, the, the, the mass murder events have been going on for, for thousands of years. In fact, most mass murder events are at the hand of government. And whether it's a crazed government or a crazed individual, the question is how long are innocent people murdered before the dirt bag is stopped. And what I mean by that, and yeah, I mean dirt bag, because I'm telling you, this is evil incarnate when someone is willing to take innocent life of these little children or walk into a grocery store in Buffalo and take innocent life. This is evil that we're dealing with. And I am so tired of hearing about these crazed killers with 10 or 15 minutes to murder defenseless people, or in Uvalde, more than an hour to slaughter defenseless children. That kind of carnage is going to happen over and over again until we stop this. I don't even know a nice way to say this. We stop living in fantasy land where, where we buy, think everyone has their own truth, that there is no right or wrong. All ideas are equal. Gun-free zones will protect people. I mean, these, these are childish, childish ideas. They're so naive. It is time to grow up. It's time to be adults. It's time to call evil, evil, and good, good. And part of that is acknowledging that wolves go after sheep. And so if you want to stop the wolf and save the sheep, you got to have a sheepdog everywhere there are innocent sheep. Well-trained and armed teachers and staff already in the buildings is far better than even SEAL Team 6 descending after the fact. So how long from the time the perpetrator starts their evil deed and someone has sufficient firepower to put some gun violence on the perpetrator 
and stop them. I just ask you to compare back-to-back, I started to say back-to-back mass murder events, actually back-to-back attempted mass murder events. One was, you know, uh, unfortunately successful for the mass murder in Uvalde on Tuesday of last week, over an hour, as I mentioned, killed 21 before being neutralized finally by an army of law enforcement. Compare that to the next day, the very next day on Wednesday in West Virginia, Dirtbag shows up, similar weapon, starts firing into a crowd of 30 or 40 people, could have potentially killed even more than what were killed in Uvalde. But what was the difference? Proximity of a sheepdog, in fact, a sheepdog with a ponytail. A female citizen had a concealed carry, pulled out her firearm, and she stopped the threat. She put down the bad guy, and the bad guy was the only death in that circumstances. That's the kind of headline I want to see. I think that's the way it should happen. And the biggest factor was simply the proximity of a trained person with a firearm to stop the threat. I think that's why all this talk about less guns and more control over who gets a gun and all, all the, I mean, even some of the good guys out there like John Voigt now talking about, you know, we ought to know who everyone is that has a gun and everybody's got, I mean, this is, this is insane. We don't need less guns. We need more guns. We need more trained citizens. In fact, great book by John Locke called More Guns, Less Crime. Wherever there's higher gun ownership, certainly where there's more trained good guys and gals with guns, not just good guy with a gun, trained good guy with a gun. Wherever there's more of that, there's less crime. Guns are used five times as often in America to stop crime as they are used to commit crime. So statistically, if you take a gun off the street, yes, you're stopping one crime from happening, but you're allowing five more to take place. So the answer is more citizens need to be trained and armed everywhere we go. I mean, every grocery store, every Walmart, every restaurant, every school, more trained citizens armed. It's not enough to put one security guard on an entire campus roaming from you know, building to building and hoping that by luck, he or she would be in the right place at the right time, which didn't happen here. Think how different this scenario would have turned out in Uvalde. If the two people at the funeral home, remember the kid crashes his, his truck, gets out, fires at two people at the funeral home. I don't even know if they were guys or, or gals. If they had been armed and trained and had engaged him rather than running away, could they have stopped the threat before he even got into the school? We don't know. There's no perfect system. But how much better of a chance would we have of saving every child in that school? Here's the thing, folks. You can't. And, and by the way, I keep saying men are women. I do want to make it very clear. 55% of the people we train in our constitutional defense courses are women. In fact, a ton of the people that come through our courses, because I know there's got to be people listening right now thinking, yeah, but I'm a teacher and I don't want to I don't want to be responsible for that. I have to have a firearm or I know teachers that don't want. OK, if you don't want to, that's fine. But I can tell you right now, we have trained thousands and thousands of people, many, many, many of them. Probably, actually, I'd probably say thousands of them had never touched a gun or never you know, fired a gun or never, certainly never done anything like what we what we do with them in terms of the of the training. And by the end of the five days, they're comfortable with their firearm and they're ready to defend themselves and their family. So don't dismiss this idea because maybe you're uncomfortable or because you think, oh, we couldn't have all these people. Listen, citizens are the best people to stop the threat. I, I know everybody wants to put all the responsibility on the police and everybody wants to talk about why the police didn't go in sooner in Uvalde. 
Friends, this is a perfect example of why you can't rely on the government to save you. You can't expect police to be everywhere. Police cannot protect everyone every minute of every day. It just can't be done. And, and it's foolish, again, naive, childish of us to think that that would be the case. But see, that's where Beto and Biden and Harris and Bloomberg and these political hacks, that's where they want to go. That's what all their talk is about. Disarm the citizens. Get rid of the guns. Leave it to the government. Leave it to the police. Well, we saw what happened in Uvalde when we left it to the police. That does not work. It never has worked. It creates a police state. It leads to tyranny and it leads to more crime and it makes it easier for the criminals to, to uh, uh, murder and, 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 and to rob and to rape and all the other things that they do. So it's foolish, it's foolhardy to think that getting rid of the gun somehow is going to solve the problem. You couldn't do it anyway. It's physically impossible. There is no way you're going to get rid of all the guns in America. Uh, there's no way, even if you did, that you could keep them. We can't even stop 200,000 human beings from coming across the border every month right now. Uh, 600,000 gotaways last year. How do we know whether or not they were armed? We have no idea whether they brought firearms. I mean, that's just a, an insane, silly discussion to think you're going to get rid of the guns. So what do you do? You make sure more citizens are armed. Are you just going to sit back and hope the police get there in time to save your family? I, I would suggest that's probably not a good idea. Are you going to just hope that they don't sit outside while your family's raped or murdered? Or uh, you know, are, are you going to get trained yourself to stop the threat and immediately before you know, make sure the threat stops before your family is harmed? That's how our constitution is designed. Constitution of the United States says that this is your call. It's not political hacks like these politicians trying to take away your rights. So it's time for us to grow up, act like adults, take responsibility, foresee danger, and take precautions. When we come back from the break in a moment, we're going to just lay out the facts. We're going to talk about the, the basic rational facts of what's happening in our nation right now and how we can deal with it. What are some steps we can take to reduce the carnage? That's the real. That, that should be the goal here. You're not going to end murder. You're not going to end evil. But what are the steps we can take? to reduce the amount of time that the wolf has to take out sheep. How quickly, how, how can we increase the number of armed citizens out there that can immediately stop the threat the way this lady did in West Virginia? Whether it's a police officer or an armed citizen, how do we reduce the time so that we save lives? That should be the goal here, to save lives. And I promise you, if you do gun control and make it harder for people to defend themselves, that doesn't save lives, that ends up costing lives. Love to hear your thoughts and questions on this. We'll dive into more of it when we come back from the break. 888-589-8840 is the number. 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green. You're listening to AFA at the Core. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12.2 My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Paul's epistle to the Romans was written to believers. This verse highlights the fact that it's possible for Christians to be conformed to the world's ways. The word conform there means to be squeezed into the mold of another. Rather than being squeezed into the world's mold, the Lord requires us to be transformed by having our minds renewed by God's word. Everything about us must be held up to the light of scripture. And wherever there's any discrepancy, we must be transformed. 
Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Being plugged in all the time means we often feel the need to reply right away, especially when the person on the other end of the message can see those three little dots appear as we type. But this sense of urgency, especially in moments of stress or frustration, could result in some less than godly foot and mouth mistakes. In his letter to the early Christians, James instructs believers to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So next time your daughter is trapped in a space of frantic communication, remind her to pause, take a breath, and eliminate the desire to immediately reply off the cuff. There is godliness in taking the time to talk, pray, and work through moments of stress. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. When this mom ended a bad relationship, she found out she was pregnant. After the father told her to get an abortion, Julia was confused and didn't know what to do or who to talk to. I just knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Julia was referred to a preborn center where she was counseled and supported with the strength she needed to choose life. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Because of them, he's here. We're gonna get through it and it's gonna be okay. Preborn centers provide hope, love, free ultrasounds, and the gospel in action to moms like Julia. To find out more about the ministry of Preborn, visit them online at preborn.com Again, that's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Your love can save a life. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green filling in for Walker Wildman, and the phone number to call is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. And we are talking about how to save lives. How do we reduce the carnage? How do we, uh, with with level heads and 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 you know uh, rational thought, know that we're not going to end evil. We're not going to prevent evil. There's been mass murder events happening throughout history. In fact. Um, you know, maybe that's one of the things we ought to do is just just let me just run through a couple of basic facts that we have to understand before you can talk solutions in this situation, because it's hard. I mean, you you deal, you, you watch this carnage and you see these kids being killed and you think, I mean, it's hard not to get emotional. Every, we all get emotional in that. And and sometimes we respond irrationally instead of rationally. So if we're going to talk solutions, we've got to be rational. We've got to look at the facts and and the first fact that, again, nobody really wants to talk about on the media side of things is that there is evil in the world. Mass murder events been going on, uh, you know, throughout history. They often committed, most of the time committed by government. Uh, but, you know, even when you look at the worst mass massacre, school massacre in U.S. history, no gun. There was no gun involved. It was nearly 100 years ago. It was 1927, I believe it was, in, in Michigan. I think it was 42 lives taken. It was all, you know, homemade bombs. This guy did use some dynamite and, and made some, it was, you know, a, a crazy guy, figured out a way to do it, uh, and a horrible massacre. In the last two years, or maybe even the last year, two of the worst 
mass murder events, no gun. One of them was a bow and arrow and knives. Another one was the family suburban. I mean, think about that. Whatever your family vehicle is can be a mass murder weapon. That's what the guy up in Wisconsin used, killed six and injured 62. So you, you, you got to start with the understanding that, that human nature leads to this kind of thing in a country of 330 million people that says there is no right and wrong. The only thing that's wrong is to get caught or everybody do whatever feels good. And, and even if we were still teaching biblical principles, there's still going to be some evil, right? You never stop it completely, which is why the whole concept of sheepdogs is important and citizen sheepdogs. So that's fact number two. Fact number one is there's evil in the world and this stuff has gone on since the beginning of time. Fact number two is that wolves prey on sheep and therefore you need sheepdogs. So let's have the West Virginia model where this lady ended it immediately rather than the Uvalde model where the bad guy gets an hour and a half to kill as many people as he can. And, and I already mentioned it, but fact number three that we need to make sure we understand as we discuss solutions is that the police are not going to be there to protect you. You don't want a totalitarian police state. I'm a back the blue guy. My brother-in-law's a sergeant in Grand Prairie. Believe me, I stood with the police through the chaos of the last two years. I support them, but I don't expect them to be at, at my house every minute of every day or at every restaurant I'm in or follow me around to make sure that nothing happens happens to me. I expect that I'm responsible to be able to defend myself and my family and that my family learns to defend themselves. That's why my wife and all four of my kids are extremely well trained to defend themselves with a firearm. So it's a fool's errand to think that you would trade your liberty for some fake security. Don't do that. Don't buy into these anti-Second Amendment arguments that say, give up your guns and the government will protect you or just only have certain kinds of guns in the government. I mean, we got to we got a president now wanting to outlaw nine millimeter. Are you kidding me? I mean, this is the most popular round in the nation. This is this guy has no clue, and he even uses the language uh, that there's no rational basis for a nine millimeter in terms of self protection. He truly has no idea what he's talking about. That's exactly what most people use for self protection. Now, I've got nine millimeters and forty fives and everything else, but I mean, if you get rid of nine millimeters and nine mil nine millimeter handguns, you're actually taking away what is the best option for most women to protect themselves. What, what are you going to do? Make them carry a larger gun? Make them go to a forty five caliber? I mean, this is just anyway. I, this is a fool's errand. Do not trade your liberty for this fake security that they're promising you. Police can't protect you everywhere you go. So running through the facts again, number one, there's evil in the world. Always going to, you know, laws of nature, nature's God. Number two, evil wolves seek out sheep. So therefore have sheep dogs closer by to protect. Number three, the police are not the answer. You can't count on them to be everywhere all the time. And then lastly, the last fact to remember is where it, it, all of this stuff increases when you allow a fantasy land utopianism fueled by moral relativism. In other words, when you have a lack of truth and a lack of right and wrong and everybody gets to have their own truth, you have an increase in the likelihood of mass murder events. No culture is going to be you know, completely removed of, of, of crime and the, and the nature of man. But when you remove moral values, when you take out absolute truth, when you indulge these this kindergarten silliness that all ideas are good and the same and whatever, not even basic biology doesn't matter anymore. Everyone gets to make up their own truth. That is a formula for disaster. And that's why we need to bring back truth. Uh, I would say the first action to take is to tell the Supreme Court and the federal government to take a hike with regard to their case called Stone v. Graham, where they removed the Ten Commandments from our schools. Let's just tell them, you know, uh, no thanks. In our state, we're putting the Ten Commandments back in all, every school 
because we want to teach children right from wrong. We want to teach them that there is a God, that there, there's that, that murder is wrong, stealing is wrong, cheating is wrong. We want to teach these things. And, and you know, we don't care what the Supreme Court says with regard to that. Action number two, pass laws that will encourage more trained citizens with firearms, not less. No more gun-free zones, none of that nonsense. We're going to teach everybody to defend themselves. And specifically, action number three, we're going to train and teach teachers and school staff. No plan is foolproof, but the more trained people you have on campus, the more that are armed and ready, the more likely that wherever the, the bad guy shows up, there's somebody there to engage them immediately. A couple other things we can talk about, but let's get to the phones. They're lighting up, so let's go to Lynn in Arkansas. Go Hogs, go. I could call the Hogs, Lynn. I, could, I can actually, I know how to do that. Um, I'm not going to do it to scare off some of our listeners, but um, but I'm glad you're calling in. Where are you calling from in Arkansas? Uh, Northwest. All right. Oh, I have a have a little family farm up in Marshall, Arkansas, up in the northwest part of Arkansas. I got a lot of family there. Anyway, I'm sorry, Lynn. I'm distracted by Arkansas. Go ahead. You have a question about it's protecting our schools. It's a beautiful state. Yeah, I actually have family in another state, a conservative state, and. Um, I want to know what um, questions would you ask, like if you talk to the sheriff or schools, who, who should you talk to at the school, in the school system, like the superintendent? If you have family in, uh, say, middle school and elementary, how, how would you go about um, finding out what their protocol is and what questions would you ask them? Well, I think you I think you hit the right people. Superintendent would be my first stop. And if you can't get a meeting with a superintendent, show up at the at the school board next school board meeting and in the commentary uh, section, get up and ask those questions and say, I, I would like for the school board to publicize, um, you know, for parents what your at least some of your protocols. There may be some that just from a tactical um, you know, perspective, they, they don't want to disclose so that they can um, you know, take care of a situation, perhaps. But I would push for and the question I would ask is how many armed personnel on campus? And are you taking strategic measures to have armed personnel in, in every building? And frankly, I think, I think schools are foolish if they don't have an armed personnel in every hallway. So even if you have to move teachers around, if there's certain teachers that don't wanna carry and don't wanna go through the training, that's fine. As long as you have someone on each hallway that can, that can be there for the quickest response possible. I would be asking those kind of questions. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of other uh, great ideas. Uh, Bobby, our producer and I were talking right before we, we came on about the, you know, one entry, um, making sure that there's only one way to get in and, and you know, they have to be um, during school hours after everybody else is already in class, have to be, you know, buzzed in, that sort of thing, which was supposed to take place at this campus. And of course, the door was left open, as everybody knows. But I mean, there are a lot of things you can do uh, to harden the, the, the school, as they would say, and, 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 and have more protection there. But nothing, nothing is going to stop a dedicated killer um, unless you have the ability to put some gun violence on the dedicated killer. Um, you know, I, I think that's what is being missed. So those are some of the things I would ask is what are the security measures? And, and I would specifically ask, how, do we have armed personnel, not, not just a locked door, not just um, you know, a resource officer on, on campus somewhere, but are, is there armed personnel in every building? Um, and that's, I, I feel the same way about other places too, not just, uh, not just our schools, but I think you just don't know where the wolf is, you know, when the wolf is going to show up. And that's why Proverbs twenty seven twelve tells us not to be a fool and walk blindly on, but to be a wise person and take precautions to foresee that danger 
take precautions. Great question, Lynn. Thank you for calling in. Uh, now we got John in Texas, especially if you call in from Texas. You got to tell me what part of Texas, John, and then whatever your comment or question is. Go for it, brother. I'm calling from Corpus Christi, Texas. All right. A um, couple quick comments. One, <clears throat> if you have ever read the book of Enoch and the Fallen Watchers, you know, Enoch was a liaison between them, and they were trying to negotiate how to get back to heaven and basically said no, and that, you know, your children will be killing each other and you will watch it for eternity, you know. So second, I think a problem is with responsibility, personal responsibility. You know, when a yeah. tragedy happens or action happens in 911, well, that's going to take some time. You have to be able to act immediately. And that's right. so I began a study many years ago regarding arms and carrying and I studied the word militia, where it began back in England with Queen Elizabeth, and how the militia was the normal citizen. I think from age 14 and above, everybody had to be armed. Why? To protect the king and the queen. They didn't have a standing army. That's why whenever, and through my research, whenever there was a king or queen or monarch or anything that relied upon its citizens for protection, there was peace in their kingdom. When the king or queen had a, or monarch or whoever ruled, had a standing army, there was not. And I think kind of the same problem is happening today. When everybody relies on the police and the government, they don't need the say-so or the agreement of the citizen. They do what they will because they have their own protection. Whereas we have let yeah. other people usurp our responsibility or take our responsibility from ourselves or we casually give it to them and everybody says oh yeah. oh but look what happened why didn't you protect me well why didn't the individual protect themselves and i think uh, yeah john you're 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 right in you're right in line with the founding fathers of america they said the exact same thing uh, james wilson for instance who signed both the declaration and the constitution and was a supreme court justice he said, if you get robbed in your own home, it's your own fault and negligence, that you're the you're the commander of your house. It's a duty, he said, not a right. It's a duty to be prepared to defend. So even as he was quoting the Castle Doctrine, which, of course, goes all the way back to the Old Testament, the responsibility lies with the individual. And it's not just in your home. It's, it's why they always said to keep and bear arms. It's not just to have a firearm in your home. It's to have that firearm with you everywhere you go so that you can keep and bear arms and protect. And you're also spot on about militia. Uh, people today take that word out of the Second Amendment and they think, oh, that means the military or that means, uh, you know, some crazy militia group or whatever they try to twist it to mean. It just means every man that can fire a rifle. Patrick Henry said every man uh, should be armed. Everyone should be prepared. Um, so, yeah, you're spot on, man. Really, really good points. And, and I think that's that's the kind of stuff we need to be teaching. And it does begin with personal responsibility. Absolutely. And that's why I'll say it again. Everybody out there, you ought to be carrying, but you ought to be trained. Make sure you get trained. If you don't, if you don't go to our constitutional defense course where we train during the day and then teach the Constitution at night, then go to somebody else's training. But get trained. OK, we got Chuck in Oklahoma. Chuck, how you doing, sir? Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Is this Chuck? Yes, sir. Um, yeah, go ahead. What's your comment or question? Some, I would just like to ask some statistics on how many children are killed by some automatic weapons and how many children are killed by abortion. And I want to offer mm -hmm. my sympathy to the families and to the police and everybody involved in the Valley shooting. 
Yeah. Yeah, great, uh, great point and, uh, and great call, Chuck. No, no doubt. I mean, it's obviously not even comparable. Uh, we take thousands and thousands of children's lives through abortion uh, every year, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's not even comparable. So, and, and it also creates a culture of death. I mean, there, there's an impact when we devalue life. Uh, there's an impact to the psychology uh, of, of our citizens. And I think that's part of why we see more and more of this is we've 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 encouraged a culture of death instead of a culture of life instead of valuing every life. Mm, good point. Good point. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate that, Chuck. Okay, let's see. Um, oh well, thank you, uh, thank you, uh, Lisa in Texas, calling and thankful for wall builders. I like hearing that. Go ahead, uh, Lisa. What what part of Texas are you calling from? I'm in McKinney. Yeah, man, McKinney. I used to play McKinney in baseball back in my when I was a youngin. Oh, well, um, I just, every day at noon, I walk my dog and the first podcast I play is the wall builders one. And I'm so enjoying the constitutional defense. Um, it is so important. I was supposed to go in February and I had a conflict, but I'm determined to make it to one of the next ones, one of your uh, constitutional defense classes, because, you know, yeah, the shooting is important and learning how to train, but understanding why, this, why this, the Second Amendment is so pivotal to protect all of our other rights and freedoms. You know, that right. is what I didn't know anything about that. And I feel like I have a Ph.D. in history just from listening to Wall Builders every day. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you calling in. And I, and I do want to see you out there on the range with us. That, that class is it, it's, it's also it, it's serious because you're really learning you know, to, to defend yourself. But it's also just great fellowship. I mean, you get to be with wonderful people from across the country. We have a great time together. Uh, and the skills are just uh, you know, off, off the charts. No matter whether you've never touched a gun in your life or you've shot your whole life, everybody gets so much better as a result of this training. We got some of the best uh, instructors on the, on the planet. And it really is the answer. This is, this is what um, helps is that you have more people, more citizens trained, and we wanna make you comfortable with your firearm. We wanna make sure you're, you know what you're doing. We also have lots of lectures on the moral and ethical questions, on the legal questions, how to deal with a situation after the fact. I mean, there's so much to cover. Um, and so thank you for, for mentioning that, Vanessa. And I, I mean, Lisa, I'm sorry. And I hope to see you at uh, one of our constitutional defense courses in the fall, or maybe we may even do one in the summer. We're getting so many requests right now. We may, we may add one for this summer, but we'll definitely have several more dates in the fall. Looking forward to hearing from more of you. Please call in today, 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. I'm Rick Green filling in for Walker Wildman here on AFA at the Core. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us.
Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, what is your title? The director of AFA Foundation. One of the best ways you can have income for the rest of your life and know that uh, you will be supporting the ministry of American Family Association is to... To give a gift to American Family Association and American Family Radio. Do you also deal with people who want to leave AFA in their wills? Yes, sir. That's exactly why they call. And that's why we also have another option besides a charitable gift annuity. People sometimes also call and do an outright gift or also leave us in their will. Now, when anyone calls in and asks to talk to you, ladies, will all of them talk in a Southern accent like you do? Yes, they will. Call Riley Wildman at the AFA Foundation, 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit afafoundation.net. I'm Peter Rosenberger, and this is your Caregiver Minute. Caregivers often see our money, jobs, independence, health, our very identity all being sucked into the dark void of caregiving, and it frightens us. And that fear sometimes incites us to rage and reactive behavior. Everyone's felt the flight-or-fight adrenaline rush that comes at a crisis, but caregivers seem to deal with the relentless crisis that wash over us without mercy and plunge us into what often feels like terror. We don't, however, have to go toe-to-toe gripped in mortal combat with every issue. Sidestepping a few of those issues, we can let go of the burning compulsion to obsess on them. Borrowing from my martial arts instructor, he told me that if we see an enemy on the horizon, keep an eye on the enemy but deal with what's in arm's reach. Today has enough danger and challenges. Tomorrow will take care of itself. This has been your Caregiver Minute with Peter Rosenberger, brought to you by Standing with Hope, a ministry for the wounded and those who care for them. There's more information at standingwithhope.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Rick Green filling in for Walker Wildman today. Check out PatriotAcademy.com, PatriotAcademy.com. If you're curious about that constitutional defense course that we've been talking about, it's our way of training people both in intellectual ammunition, in other words, knowing how to defend the Constitution intellectually, but then also physical training so that you can do what John Adams said we should be able to do, which is resistance to sudden violence. Uh, that's the that's the constitutional right, and what he said was a law of nature coincident with Christianity, by the way. In other words, a lot of people try to say sometimes, uh, especially from the woke Christian left, uh, that you shouldn't defend yourself, that you uh, should just let whatever's going to happen, happen. And, uh, of course, I couldn't disagree with that more, and I don't think you can back that up biblically. I mean, even Jesus himself said, sell your coat and get a sword. Trust me, that was not a decorative sword you hang on the wall. That was a thrusting dagger for defense. Uh, anyway, so back to uh, back to your calls, 888-589-8840, if you'd like to call in. I mentioned earlier, for those that may just now be joining us in this discussion of, of self-defense and also of, of how to protect our children in, in schools, and uh, now I will say I, I think probably the best way, not probably, the best way 
to protect your children in, in schools and is to get them out of the public schools, honestly, and make sure that you're homeschooling. I mean, that doesn't mean you're not going to run into a wolf at the Walmart or the grocery store. It can still happen anywhere. Uh, but I do, uh, I do think that, that, um, um, Kirk Cameron said it right earlier today when, when he talked about the fact that, you know, our schools are a disappointment, man. They're teaching the opposite of what we want our, our children to learn. And, um, and you know, that's why there's a, a homeschool awakening in the country and more and more people are choosing that uh, for their children. But anyway, in this conversation of, of self-defense and stopping this stuff, we were earlier in the program uh, just talking about the facts. Let's make sure that we consider the facts before we start talking about solution. And we said the facts are there's evil in the world, been mass murder events from the beginning of time, uh, that evil wolves go after sheep dogs. So you got to have a, I'm, I'm sorry, evil wolves go after sheep. So you got to have a sheep dog wherever there's sheep. That means you got someone there that can stop the threat and protect. Third, you can't count on the police to be everywhere. It's not physically possible or financially possible, and it would be a police state. And fourth, we got to stop this fantasy land utopianism where we let moral relativism kick God out of the equation and tell everybody that their own truth can be whatever they want it to be. We got to stop that nonsense. And so the action steps are making sure that we get the Ten Commandments back into our schools. We start teaching right and wrong again, that we pass laws encouraging more trained citizens with firearms, uh, that we train and arm teachers and school staff. And, and I didn't mention it earlier, but the other action step I'd encourage is I think we should condemn and shame political hacks like Beto and Biden and Harris when they use these tragedies, as Joe Biden himself said, for political power, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, profit and, and these, you know, advancing agendas uh, like that. That's that's just wrong. And we should condemn it. And now the guy wants to get rid of all nine millimeters. I mean, this is just uh, uh, well, it's silly. You couldn't possibly do it if you wanted to. But then uh, what you're really doing is you're disarming the citizens. So anyway, just wanted to reiterate that for those that might have joined us a little bit late. Let's jump back over to the phones. Clifford in Texas. Clifford, what part of Texas, of course? And then what's your comment or question? Hello. Yeah, go ahead, Clifford. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. While I was waiting, I rephrased my question. Part of the there no should problem. be a Go weeding out. There should be a weeding out, a vetting process for the people that are going to be armed. And this is going to sound cruel, but I believe it's reality. Ask them one question: Are you willing to risk the death of one to save many? Reason I say that is, years ago we talked about arming aircraft personnel uh, against hijackers. Here's the scenario: the hijacker, the school shooter has got a hostage with a weapon at their throat where death is almost certain. If you've got that weapon and you're not willing to risk the innocent's life, knowing you're going to be crucified when it's over, you shouldn't have a weapon because if you put your weapon down, you just gave the bad guy another weapon to hurt other people with. Well, there's a lot of truth to that, Clifford, in, in terms of um, if you put your weapon down, which is why we train, you never put your weapon down. And secondly, if you're in that hostage situation, we spend a lot of time training people on how to take that shot of the perpetrator without hitting the hostage. And uh, But you're exactly right. You would have to be willing to, to take that risk uh, to save both the hostage and, and the others as well. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't be for a litmus test for someone to be able to get a firearm, but I totally agree with your thinking in terms of when you do carry a firearm, you should go through the training um, of all of those scenarios. And, and, and part of it is a philosophical question. And it's part of what we do in our training is we say, 
are you willing to take a life? Are you willing to take a life in order to save lives? And if you're not, you shouldn't carry a firearm. Uh, now, you're not really taking that life. The perpetrator has has made that decision to put them in the situation. And in order for you to save these other lives, you're, you're going to have to take their life. But that was their choice to put themselves uh, in, in that situation. But those are all very important. Uh, what's the right way to say it? It's a very important thought process. There's a moral and ethical uh, dilemma, if you will, that has to be um, discussed and, and you have to think through what we train people to do is you have to make that decision. Now you can't wait till you're in the moment and decide if you're ready and willing to do that. You've got to think through all of those things. Now you've got to think, especially as a Christian, you've got to line this up biblically and you've got to know that you have a biblical right of self-defense and that you have a biblical right to take that life. If they are putting you or your family members or someone, some other innocent in danger. Good call. Uh, Cliff, appreciate you calling in, man. Uh, let's see. Lee, in Texas. Lots of Texas calls today. What is it about? Is it because I'm Texan that I track Texas calls or is it because the topic is guns and therefore Texans really want to talk about? I don't know. Anyway, uh, Lee, go ahead. Yes, sir. Hey, Rick, thank you. Uh, I agree with everything you have said and your your other people on there. I'm from Del Rio. The river's right, right. out my back door about a, about a mile, and, and I'm telling you, it's out of control down here. I just heard today that yeah. in the first 21 days of May, there was 31,000 people come across the river illegally, That and mm. then there was about 10,000 that uh, got away from them. And that's just about the population of Dill Real, something like that. But what I will call wow. about is you mentioned Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke. Have you read or heard about the story that he wrote? I vaguely remember this. It it was you're talking about like when he was in college, right? And it was yeah. some kind of weird. Yeah, go go ahead because I don't remember the details. Because what I'd like to do is just read this to you. I got it off of Google. It's it's true. It comes from Reuters. Reuters. Here's what he says. This is what he wrote. This is what was in the man's mind. That's why he's sick. One day, as I was driving home from work, I noticed two children crossing the street. They were happy, happy to be free from their troubles. The happiness was mine by all right. I had earned it in my dreams, he wrote, according to Reuters. As I neared the young ones, I put all my weight on my right foot, keeping the accelerator pedal on the floor until mm. I heard the crashing of the two children on the hood and then the sharp, faint cry of pain of one of the two. I was so fascinated for a moment that after I stopped my vehicle, I just had to sit in a daze, sweet visions, filling my head this is what this guy wrote yeah this is this is robert now, francis o'rourke that was he would be in jail and i don't know yeah. if he ever went and get mental health or not he needs to but uh well i i uh, haven't i haven't I seen it myself so i'm going to just take you take you take you at your word that it's that it's uh from and that they Google, have uh, writings yeah. about killing children that's all right writings well, about killing children and it'll pop up and Lee, by the way, man, uh, thank you for standing your ground in Del Rio. I miss that area. I, I went to school in San Angelo, just an hour and a half north of you there. And and um, we used to play you know, Central. I, I was out. I got out of uh, high school sixty-one years ago. <laughs> no kid. Well, you're we you know, Central. despite what they're trying uh, to do to it, you're in you're in God's country there. And uh, and I well, thank you for standing you know, your ground. And not this is, this is Biden's plan, Rick. This has been going on. They've been planning this. This is a way you destroy a country. Uh, yeah. This is nothing new. Uh, I told that to Fox News back in August or whenever it was we were on there last, uh, that this is all of his plan. This falls right into his plan to try to get rid of guns. Uh, it's not the guns, but I want to do one thing. I want yeah. to give a shout-out to the law enforcement. 
The guys Amen. that went over there to help them, I think were the U.S. Marshals, some U.S. Marshal people from here, because they had the equipment. They had the shield. They had the tools to get into that door, and they had the firepower. Those other guys were sitting ducks. It would have been total suicide if they had walked through that door. Uh, and I just want to give a shout-out to our law enforcement. Biden disinvited them to his place in Uvalde. He would not let the Border Patrol come. Now, how about that? Yeah, I, I don't doubt it. And, and by the way, that Border Patrol has the toughest job in America right now, hands tied by the federal government and, and uh, overwhelmed, overworked. It's just unbelievable what they're going through. And you know it. You're, you're right there, so you see it all the time. But it's uh, it's a shame, I, and I would encourage everybody to be praying for for those border agents. And, 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 and it is, it's, uh, you know, trying to figure out and second guess in a tactical situation like that. There's, there's a lot, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Uh, but at this point, uh, you know, it still comes down to if we had had people in the building armed from the, from the get go, it would have been a much better tactical situation and lives would have been, would have been saved. Lee, I sure appreciate you, man. Thanks so much for calling. And, and, and thanks again for standing your ground there in the beautiful uh, Del Rio uh, part of Texas. Okay, we've got, um, let's see, Mark in Virginia. Mark, how you doing, sir? Welcome to the program. Fine, how about you? Very well, sir. Better than I deserve. Great. I just wanted to, first of all, I just wanted to tell you that lately we've been watching Chasing American Legends, and we really like that show. Ah, thank you, man. I, I enjoyed doing that show, and I miss my kids being that, that young, but we sure had fun traveling around and doing some of those history mysteries. Yeah, and, and I also want to say that, um, I know that you know this, uh, that the people in Congress are talking about banning uh, certain types of weapons, but I just want to say that that is unconstitutional because that is not within the powers that, uh, of Article One, Section 8 that is given to Congress. Well, you're 100 percent right, and if we would if we would still uphold the limitations in the Constitution, uh, there would be uh, probably about 90 percent of what the federal government's doing right now would not be done. As James Madison said, it's a it's a limited one, possessing no power, not actually given. Now, I'm a country boy, and I can understand that no power, not actually given, and there's definitely no power given to the federal government to regulate firearms. Uh, let alone education and food and drug and all the other things that they're involved in. It's a disaster. And if we would come back to the actual constitutional limitations the founding fathers gave us, and if we want to add power to the federal government, fine, but you do it through a constitutional amendment. You don't allow the Supreme Court to expand the federal government simply by saying the Commerce Clause allows them to do that. That's why I'm such an advocate for a convention of states to rein in the federal government. It's the only way it'll happen. Thank you, George Mason, for putting it in the Constitution there at the end of the Constitutional Convention. But it's time for us to use it, and that's the only way we'll stop that out-of-control government. Great call, Mark. Appreciate it. Uh, let's see. we got Letty. In Texas, Letty. Ha oh no, sorry, Letty dropped. We lost Letty, uh, but thank you for calling anyway, <laughs> Letty. Uh, you know this whole topic of, of of gun control and and stopping people from getting a, even a nine millimeter. I mean, this tells you how far these people want to go, and it tells you they have no clue about guns. They have no clue about how to defend yourself. They have all their secret service and armed guards around them all the time, so they don't have to think about the fact. Hey, if I'm sitting in a restaurant with my family. And the, and the crazy guy comes in, what do I do? Do I just cower under the table and hope he doesn't walk around for 20 minutes and kill everybody, including my family? Or do I make sure I'm trained and I have a firearm and I can defend my family in that, in that moment? People like Joe Biden don't think about that kind of stuff. This is the guy that said you should only be able to have a shotgun and you should only be able to walk outside and fire it into the air. I mean, this is the guy 
that chastised the fact that Stephen Williford had an, an AR-15 and was able to stop the wolf at Sutherland Springs. Remember what happened at Sutherland Springs, if you don't know the story. Bad guy goes in in Type 3 body armor, head to toe, with a SWAT helmet on, kills 26 people. Stephen Williford hears the gunshots from across. The, uh, he, he lived not next door. There was a, a lot between them, but basically next door. And he runs into the fray barefoot with only eight rounds in his gun. He's literally shoving the rounds into his magazine as he's running across to engage this incredibly well-armed and, 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 and protected wolf. And he keeps engaging until he stops the threat. That's a hero right there. And all Joe Biden could say is that Stephen Williford shouldn't have been able to have that AR-15 that he used to save lives. He saved 27 lives at that church that day and then probably another 100 because the bad guy was going to head to another church and shoot it up. Folks, you just don't know when the wolf's going to show up. And you need to be trained or you need to make sure somebody in your family is trained if you're not willing to do it. Make sure that you support legislation that allows for citizens to keep and bear arms. Joseph Story said that that was the palladium of all of our other liberties. He was the father of American jurisprudence. He said, if you, if you lose this one, you're going to lose all your other liberties. St. George Tucker, one of our founding fathers, said, if you, if you in any way, in any way, under any color or pretext whatsoever, inhibit the right to keep and bear arms, he said, then liberty, if not already annihilated, is on the brink of destruction. It's core to all of our other liberties. The Founding Fathers of America understood this. We should understand this. And that's why all these calls to limit or ban or require all these hoops you got to jump through to be able to have a firearm to defend your family, every one of them should be dismissed out of hand because they don't work. They don't stop crime. They don't prevent mass murder. The mass murderer is going to find some other weapon, whether it's the family suburban or it's knives on the same day that Sandy Hook happened 10 years ago, someone in China went in with a knife and a sword into a school and killed or hurt 20-something people. Folks, it's the heart of man, and the heart of man is evil, and therefore we must take precaution, we must be prepared to defend ourselves and our family, and we must not give up our liberty for a false sense of security that these politicians are trying to give us. You can learn more at PatriotAcademy.com. I hope you'll join me for a constitutional defense course. Thank you so much for listening to American Family Radio. I'm Rick Green. You've been listening to AFA at the Core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.